today on Commitment to Truth. I think a lot of times that we feel we're called by God, we, we, we kind of isolate ourselves. God's calling me to do this, so I'm going to go into my prayer closet, which is a good thing. And I'm going to pray about this, but then I'm just going to kind of forget about it. Instead of seeking out spiritual counseling, the Bible's pretty clear that counseling is important. But I think we need to understand that there are men and women of faith that we can use to help us, to lead us, to guide us, to give us spiritual wisdom. Welcome to Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Each week, Pastor Cedric Brown and the pastoral team at Commitment Church strive to draw you into a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This week, we'll be starting a sermon series called Heroes. We'll learn from the biblical heroes of the past found in Hebrews 11 and by faith to encourage you to become today's heroes of the faith. Here's Pastor Ken Jones, teaching pastor at Commitment Church, with today's message. All right, we're still on our heroes of faith from Hebrews chapter 11, and we're down to the end of this where there's a list of characters in one particular verse and I was blessed enough to get a guy named Barak. Um, <clears throat> so I want to talk a little bit about faith first of all. We've had many definitions of faith and we've gone through this process and we have preached these messages. We have talked about faith and what it means. But if you look at all these definitions of faith, they all lead in one direction and that's trusting in God's promises. Each of these people that we've spoken about in Hebrews chapter 11 have been men and women <clears throat> who have heard God's promises, who understand God's promises, and believe that they will take place, that God will fulfill his word. And that's what makes them heroes. And our goal through this process is for us to become heroes. And we can, if we have faith. Another definition I'm going to throw at you is to make it fun. Belief in or confident attitude toward God involving, listen, commitment to his will for one's life. If you remember when, we, when I talked about Moses a few weeks back, and I said that faith involves obedience. Just to say, yeah, I believe in God, doesn't cut it unless that, those words come along with action. You will show your faith by what you do and how you live your life. You will show what you believe in, what you trust, what you have faith in by how you walk. And that's what we're trying to encourage you as we go through these heroes. So uh, let me just read one section. He, uh, Habakkuk. Uh, I'm going to tell you guys now. I, I'm going to have the privilege at the end of August to preach about the last hero, which is all the prophets. And so I'm going to test y'all, because I'm going to make you say the minor prophets in order before you can leave the church. <clears throat> so I would encourage you now to start practicing Amos and Obadiah and Haggai and Zephaniah. And... Good luck, guys. Uh, so I'm not even going to ask you to look up Habakkuk. Uh, it took me a while to find it. But hey, Habakkuk in chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, I think really lay this out for us really clear. It says, for the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, 
for it will certainly come. It will not delay. The promises of God. What are the promises that we're holding on to tightly more than anything else? Heaven. <laughs> right? Verse 4, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. And that's really what we're talking about here when we talk about these guys. Hebrews chapter 10, which is right before we get into the heroes, right? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36 says, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. This is not a sprint. Life is a long-distance race. That requires our endurance. So, let us now go to Barak. Who in the world is Barak? Okay, so... He was from the tribe of Naphtali, or Naphtali, depending on how you want to pronounce it, which means struggling or my wrestling. And that's a story about Naphtali and his life. Uh, go back into Genesis and read it when you get a chance. Uh, Barak's name means lightning. Now, Barak was a, uh, um, an army commander. So having a name like lightning kind of fits what he did. Um, so let, me, let me just kind of tell you a story. This is a Pastor Kent's story time. And rather than read through Joshua chapter 4, I'm just going to tell you what happened. Okay, so there's this fellow named Barak who lived in the time of the judges. Now, the judges were not rulers over Israel. Israel at this time is still a theocracy. It's still a government run by God where the priests had the authority. The church had the authority. The judges had a job to settle disputes between people or between tribes. That was their only job. They didn't make law. It's kind of like the Supreme Court. Okay, that's what the judges did. Um, Deborah was the judge at the time that Barak lived. Deborah was the only female judge that we know of in Scripture. And she had a unique quality as she was also gifted as a prophetess. None of the other judges were prophets but she had this unique gift. So she's a pretty special lady. She had the job of calling Barak. God called her and said, go get this guy Barak. I need him to come and fight against the Canaanites because the Canaanites had been a real pain for the past 20 years, disrupting all their trade, stealing all their flocks, just really terrible people. But they were able to hold sway over the Israelites because one thing their army had that the Israelites didn't have, they'd had 900 iron chariots. And in battle at that particular time, a chariot took over everything. It's kind of like having tanks. You know, they just weren't going to lose. So Deborah calls Barak and says, hey, I need you. God has called you to go fight against the Canaanites and defeat them against this general named Sisera. And the first thing Barak says is, Okay, I'll go if you go. But if you won't go, I ain't going. Okay, so Deborah says, okay, I'll go. And off they go. And they go to this mountain called Mount Tabor. And as they're waiting there to fight this battle, God calls Deborah and says, okay, tell Barak now is the time to go. And she says, but understand that you will not receive the glory for this victory. The glory is going to go to a woman. Now, I remember in Jewish culture, eh, that's not a real good thing. 
because women didn't hold that high standard that you ladies do today. They weren't allowed to worship with the guys. See, if we were back in Old Testament times, you ladies would be out in a room out there somewhere while the guys were in here. They, were, they weren't even allowed to worship together. Okay, so that, that's not a good thing. But Barak didn't say anything. He said, okay, fine. And she said, now's the time, let's go. And to attack these 900 iron chariots. But God, in his inimitable, inimitable wisdom, say that five times fast, brought rain the night before. And where they fought was at this river called Kishon. And sure enough, they take them chariots out there to go fight the Israelites, and they all get stuck in the mud. So now they can't even use their chariots for the battle. Then the Israelites were able to slaughter them. And they did. Sisera, the general, jumps off his stuck chariot and takes off running. I'm going home. I'm scared to death. And he starts running, and he comes to the tent of this guy named Heber, who was a Kenite. They were neutral. They were Sweden in battle, or Switzerland, whichever one it was. Uh, so they were, they were neutral. So he figured, I, I could hide here. So he goes into this area, to this tent, and a lady named Jael, Heber's wife, says, come on in, come on in, I'll take care of you, don't worry about it. She calls him into the tent. So he goes into the tent, and he's all tired and worn out from the battle. And she says, here, lay down here. And he says, can I have some water? And she goes, sure. And she gets him a glass of milk. And he, she gives him a glass of milk, and she lays him under a rug. And he says, just make sure if anybody comes, tell them I'm not here. She says, okay. And he falls asleep. And she goes and gets a tent peg and drives it through his skull, right into the ground. And he's dead. After that happens, uh, uh, Barrett goes running up. He finds JL. She goes, hey, the guy looking for is in here. <laughs> and he's dead. I took care of your, your, your business for you. And she got the glory for the battle, not Barrett. After that, the Israelites routed out the Canaanites, and they had 40 years of peace. And that's the story of Barak. So what do we want to learn from the story of Barak? One of the ways Barak is like us is that our faith is sometimes hesitant. How many times have you been called by God to do something, and you kind of sit back and go, hmm. Let me think about it. I, I got to pray on that. Let me, let me think about this for a while. Uh, I, I got to, you know, I, I got to finish this job I'm doing first, and, and then I'll be able to get to it. And, of course, like most of us as procrastinators, we never get to it. And we never end up following God. Barak was hesitant. That's why he needed Deborah to go with him. We don't know. But as I look at the story and see how this went, it appears to me that Barak's faith wasn't as strong as it should have been to trust in himself to be able to be used by God. He wanted Deborah because he knew Deborah was close to God. Let me grab her to help me out because she'll give me that God thing that I need in order to complete this mission. So he trusted that God was going to handle it, but it was kind of like that Moses moment. Who, me? Why are you sending me? That kind of concept, that kind of idea that was in Barak's head. Um, one thing he did do, and this is where I think what we need to look at, is, is trusting the spiritual leaders. I think a lot of times when we feel we're called by God, we, we, we kind of isolate ourselves. 
God's calling me to do this, so I'm going to go into my prayer closet, which is a good thing. And I'm going to pray about this, but then I'm just going to kind of forget about it. Instead of seeking out spiritual counseling. The Bible's pretty clear that counseling is important. But I think we need to understand that there are pastors and elders and deacons and uh, worship leaders and, and men and women of faith that we can use to help us, to lead us, to guide us, to give us spiritual wisdom. And that's what Barak needed, was spiritual wisdom. So he sought it from Deborah. And the other part is, is he was obedient. And I think this is a real positive attribute to him because no matter where he, what he felt about, well, no, not me, you know, uh, I need you to go with me kind of thing, he still went. And when Deborah said, God said, now's the time to go to battle, he didn't know it rained down at the river. He just went, him and his 10,000 soldiers. So he was obedient to God. You all are sitting here this morning. Why? Because it says we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So you're obedient to God just by walking in the door. You know, a lot of times we don't think about that. We come to church because we want to receive some word or maybe we just want to hang out with some friends or, or we got a real burden that we want to lay at, the, lay at the altar or whatever the case may be. But no matter how you look at that, that's being obedient to God, is being with God's people. So what do we do? How do we take Barak's life and apply that to ourselves? One of the most important things we've got to do is not dwell on our inadequacies, which would be maybe like outdated equipment, not having the right weapons or enough soldiers to back us up, like Barak had, or to be overwhelmed by obstacles, like iron chariots. Remember that God is greater than your difficulties. No matter what you do or what you get into, God's got this. And I think that's where Barak missed it. Because I think he saw all that was going to happen. He realized, I got 10,000 guys and they got iron chariots. I don't stand a chance. And he was focused on that. And not focused on the fact that God was going to do what God was going to do. Until he finally became obedient and did it. And then sat back and watched God do it. You notice in the story of Barak, in the battle, it took both. And not only took God to do what he needed to do to provide the rain and get the chariots all stuck, but it needed the Israelite army to be able to fight. See, God doesn't do this on his own. He needs us to do what we're called to do to fight this battle. And if you take one look at the news for five minutes, you'll know we're in a battle. And that battle gets bigger and stronger and bigger and stronger every day. And if there's one word I hear out of Christian's mouths, it's that, man, we've got to be close to the end. God's got to be coming soon. Because I see nothing but sin around me. Because what's wrong is right, and what's right is wrong. And the battle is bigger and better than it's ever been in my lifetime. But we can't focus on the battle, we got to focus on the guy that's taking us in the battle. The one who's going to win the battle, because we already know who wins. 
We read the end of the book. It's right here. <laughs> and it says God wins and Satan loses. And we get to live with him for eternity. Uh, so don't dwell on your inadequacies. And I kind of feel like I'm not really good enough to do this. Trust me, I feel that every time I stand up here. I always feel that this, I, 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 I'm not a pastor. I haven't, I haven't been to seminary and all that stuff. I just love the Lord and love his word. And then he takes care of the rest. Praise be to God. Talk to Marissa about sitting up here playing the guitar. You'll, you want to hear about somebody that's concerned about her inadequacies, yet there she sits every week, blessing us with her voice and her play, answering the call of God and not focusing on inadequacies. Second part of this is we need to understand that our gain is less important than God's glory. Or if you want to flip that to understand that God's glory is more important than our gain. And I think that's one thing Barak did. When he got told that a woman was going to get the honor for the victory instead of him, I'm sure that that was a bit of a slap in the face for him. This guy's a great commander of the armies of Israel, and some woman's going to win the battle for him. I'm sure that didn't make him real happy, but he didn't care because to him, the victory was more important. And God was going to get the glory for it. And that's what we need to understand. As we hear the call of God and we answer the call of God and we begin to do what God wants us to do, it's not for our glory. It's not to make us look good. It's to show God to be God. I really believe that's one of the reasons why he lets me do this. <laughs> because if I was real, real, real good at speaking and real glib, uh, I wouldn't, I, I would be saying, hey, look at me. Look, I'm, I can preach, baby. <laughs> I, can, I can bring the word. <laughs> no, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's not about me. It's about him. I want to glorify him. When Marissa sings her song, she does it to glorify him. That's our, what our attitudes need to be. When you hear the call of God, it's not because he wants you to look good. He's calling you because he knows he can use you to make him look good. So that we can bring the word to the people that need to hear it. So we need to focus on God's glory. And lastly, we need to rely on those spiritual believers that God's put around us as we go on our spiritual journey. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. The very first verse after... Chapter 11 in the, uh, the, the Hall of Faith, if you will. It says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside also ever encumbrance and sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Kind of reminds you of Habakkuk, didn't it, when Habakkuk gave his prophecy. And here we are back in Hebrews with the same thing. And that great cloud of witnesses is not only the heroes of faith from Hebrews chapter 11, but they're sitting right here around you. There are some awesome spiritual people sitting here right now that I would go to in a heartbeat to pray with me and to help me and assist me in following God's call. 
We are blessed in this church with pastors and elders and deacons, teachers, women's leaders that we can rely on. We weren't meant to walk this journey alone, you know. If God's calling you and you're not real sure, pick up the phone. How many of you have had somebody in the hospital that you felt needed a visit? And what's the first thing you do? Call to church. Hey, can the pastor go see? <laughs> Along with the other 3,000 people he's got to go see? You ever sit and think, maybe I'm the one that needs to get up and go? I'm, I'm saying this for personal experience. <laughs> I'm as guilty of that as anybody. But take somebody, call a deacon, call, call a friend. I don't, you know, go visit somebody. Go share the word. We go out on our, on our, on our e-walk. We don't send one person down that street and one person down that street. We go together as a group and encourage each other as we go. I'll be the first one to tell you I'm scared to death to go on an e-walk. Because I'm a people pleaser. And if somebody says something to me about they don't like me, I'm ready to go hide somewhere. So I need the encouragement of other believers to encourage me to do what God's called me to do. No, I haven't gone yet. I say to my shame. <laughs> See, we all fall in that trap, don't we? Don't rely on these people that God's put around us. Um, we have a counseling ministry here. And we've got an excellent counselor that runs our counseling ministry and others that are part of it. Um, they're here for us. They don't, they, they don't charge it. They're free. And their counseling is biblical. And we need to rely on that. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 6, says, For by wise guidance you will wage war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. Proverbs 12, 15. The thoughts of the righteous are just, but the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. Watch who you get counsel from. Not everybody that goes to church is a wise counselor. The same. Uh, Proverbs eleven fourteen, Where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in the abundance of counselors, there is victory. Proverbs 20:18. Prepare plans by consultation and make war by wise guidance. And you guys know I have my little theory that I used to tell students when I taught that if I tell you something more than once, I guarantee you it's going to be on a test because it's important. If God says this over and over and over again through Solomon in the book of Proverbs, trust me, it's an important issue. And it's something we need to take to heart. Don't be afraid, man. You're not going to look weak. You're going to look strong. And you're going to look obedient because you want to follow God, but you need help. That's why, we're, that's why we're in this place. That's why we're in this building. That's why all these folks are here. And nothing warms my heart more when, when, I, when I see a service over. And, of course, I always say that the, the best half hour of a service is the half hour after the service is over. And the people are sitting there together, spending time together. 
and, and I see little groups praying over here and over here. They get the men up front to pray. And I see all these little prayer groups springing up. And I said, this is really cool because people are using people to help them walk through life because we can't walk through this life alone. And sometimes we lose our way and sometimes we need people to help steer us. So use them. I want to end with this. There's a couple of things come to my mind when I think about this. Uh, I read a story, it's kind of interesting, <clears throat> about a, a missionary in Africa. And uh, he had gone off to another village to minister in some way, and I don't know what it was. Uh, but then on his way back to his place, he got lost. And he got lost pretty deep in the bush of the jungle. <clears throat> he happened upon this guy's house, and he went in and asked for assistance because he had no idea where he was. And the guy said, don't worry, I will take you and lead you out. So they go out into the bush, and the, and the, the, the natives got his, his, his machete, and he's just hacking away, making a path through the jungle. After about an hour or so, the missionary says to the guy, hey, he says, uh, I still don't see a path. Where are, we, are you sure you know where you're going? Because I don't see a path. And the native turns around to him, and he said, I am your path. Sound familiar? A lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. If you need to figure out where you're going and the direction God's got you going, pick it up and he'll lead you and he'll guide you. If you don't know where to pick it up, call somebody. My goodness, go look at your Bible app on your phone. There must be 5,000, 50,000 devotionals on different topics and subjects that you can look at. Just be careful when you do so. The other thing that's interesting about this whole portion of scripture that I wanted to talk about before we go, um, Joshua chapter 5 is called the Song of Deborah. Uh, there's only a couple of these in scripture outside of the book of Psalms. Um, Moses uh, sometimes called the Song of Miriam or the Song of Moses, was in Exodus. Uh, you have Mary's Magnificat, um, after she, after when she realized she was pregnant with Jesus. Uh, and this is a kind of an unknown song of Deborah that was actually a duet. Her and Barak actually sang this together. I, mean, I don't know who harmonized, but <laughs> I don't know the melody anyhow. Um, but it was a song of praise. And it brings me to worship and our responsibility in worship. And I just want to read a couple of verses to you because I think this goes along with our faith in the promises of God. Because I think to begin to follow God, we need to first understand who he is and be willing to praise him and to think on who he is. Psalm 48, verse 1, says, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. Psalm 96, verse 4, says, For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. And as I think about this, and I was going to, I'm not going to read what I was going to read, but it, there's, a, there's a section in 
my commentary that talks about this guy that was at uh, Bible school. And they're in a, their, their morning worship session. And his professor had just given him this really ridiculous Hebrew assignment in the, in, as he was learning the Hebrew language that, he had to do, that it had to be done over the weekend. And he was very upset about this assignment that he had gotten. And then they began to sing praise music. And he's sitting there just thinking about this assignment and how angry he is that he's got to do this. And he looks over at his buddy because he was going to share commiseration about what was going on with this stupid assignment. And here's his buddy with his eyes closed. And he's, 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 he's singing the words of the song. And then he realized he wasn't singing. He was praying. But he was praying the words of the song as it was going on. And he says, I, I was so ashamed when I realized that all my life I've been in church. And I sang all the hymns when I was a kid. I know the words to all the hymns, but I can't tell you that I've ever applied them to my heart and actually let them really work in my soul. They were just words. And he said, I began to go back and look at the words to the music. And now when I worship, I focus on the words. He said, you know, we can have some of the greatest singers up here. And we do. And thank God for them, because it keeps the music from taking away the message. But instead, it delivers the message. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I encourage you. When you start this journey of answering the call of God, we start right here as we praise God. Look at the words. Think about who they're about. What is he in your life? How is he guiding your life? Do those words have any meaning to you whatsoever? It's not about the music. It's about the one we're singing to. And I would encourage you, focus on the words, praise God for who he is, and watch him start answering your prayers and being part of your life. Watch your walk change, your life change, and become the heroes that God's called us to be. Let's pray. Father, we're just so thankful for your word. We're thankful for people like Barak who who struggled and yet still followed you and obeyed what you said. Father, we're thankful for, for godly women who took leadership responsibilities and followed you and listened to you. And Father, we thank you for that precious gift of praise that we would use properly, that we would focus on you and you alone. Because really, at the end, it's all about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to our series, from Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. If you want to listen to the previous messages in this series, or if you want to hear messages from other series, visit Commitment Church on YouTube or Pastor Cedric Brown on Spotify, Pandora, or other podcast providers. You can also visit us on our website, commitmentchurch.org. And if you live in the Philadelphia, Delaware, or South Jersey area, we would love to see you in person as well. You can attend any of our services by visiting us at 2 Berlin Road South, Lindenwald, New Jersey, 08021. Thank you again for listening, and have a blessed and wonderful day.